Lord Jesus, may that be the prayer of each heart this morning. As we now open your word, that as we do so and as we study of your scriptures, that we would learn of you and that we would desire for our lives to be like yours and that we will surrender them. That truly we will say, take my life and we'll mean it with every aspect of our being. In your name we pray. Amen. This week I was in the stairwell of the general conference. I wasn't hanging out in the stairwell, I was just walking through the stairwell. I was at the stairwell of the general conference and I ran into uh, Gerald Klingbell who works in the review. And I was trying to explain to him, you know, I love my job, it's okay, I'm good. The reason I was trying to explain to him because he was asking me, am I making sure I'm taking time to withdraw and take some time for some soul care, so to speak. And, and as he was encouraging me to do this, I was defending myself. I was saying, you know, well, I love my job. You know, I, I, I really, I don't, you know, I don't need to get away. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. It's like, well, you know, you need to take that time away, just you and God alone. I was like, yeah, I know, I know. I tell you all this. Because suddenly in the midst of talking to him, I started to chuckle. And I told him, you know what, I'm actually writing a sermon about this week is about this very idea, and here I'm arguing with you about it. So I share that with you to let you know that this is something that I, that I struggle with. This is an idea that I struggle with. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Luke, chapter 5. Today's message applies to all of us, but I'm thinking, of course, of the teachers today. I'm thinking of you in a special way on this Sabbath, but it applies to everybody in this room. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. And it happened when he was in a certain city, this is Jesus, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him, and all the more, and great multitudes came together to be healed by Jesus of their infirmities. The picture we see here of Jesus is Jesus healing, Jesus doing his, his God-given assignment to minister to humanity. Turn now to Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 32. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 32. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to Jesus all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Skip over to verse 35. Skip over verse 35. We'll come back to it a little bit later. Verse 36. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. What is the picture here of Jesus? We see Jesus active, engaged in ministry, ministering to the people again, and preaching and teaching to them. Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 14. Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, 
and he was moved with compassion for them. I always love that verse. It's always one of the best verses. And healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the multitudes, uh, to the, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Here we see Jesus caring for the needs of, of thousands, potentially tens of thousands of people. Teaching, performing miracles, healing, feeding these people. Luke chapter 6, verse 13. Luke chapter 6 and verse 13. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom Jesus also named apostles. What do we see Jesus doing here? Jesus is managing. He is making leadership, leadership decisions. He is building his team. He's making personnel decisions. Folk, I want us to remember this. This is Jesus who is our perfect example in every single way. In every aspect of, of his life is a perfect example for, for application for our, our lives. I want to work backward on those texts real quick. In Luke 6, as Jesus is making personnel leadership decisions, which you, if you ask any leader, it is the, the hardest element of our job. We read in Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, as Jesus was, was in the process of making this decision, now it came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Matthew chapter 14, we read that. Jesus spends the entire day with thousands of people. Thousands of people. How many of you are introverts? How many of you, the thought of spending the entire day with thousands of people makes you a little bit sick to your stomach? I see some of you introverts. I, I knew that wasn't gonna get a high hand raise. I knew some of you introverts were like this. There's more introverts, they didn't all raise their hand because they, they don't raise their hand. <laughs> don't pay attention to me. But thousands of, of people, but even for an extrovert, I think to spend a whole day with thousands of people teaching, preaching, healing, feeding, could be an exhausting endeavor, at least physically, if not also mentally. After a day like that, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 23, we're told, and when Jesus had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. Mark 1, Jesus spends his night, after a long day of healing and teaching, he isn't done. He spends the whole day healing and teaching, and now he's gone to a house to relax, but he isn't done. The rest of the night is also full of ministering and mingling with an entire town, an entire city. The, verse 33 tells us, and the entire city was gathered at the door. Jesus spends a whole day teaching and, and preaching and, 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 and ministering. And I don't know about you, but, but 
a lot of us, after we spend a whole day doing some of those things, we want to go home and what? Shut the world, what? Out a little bit, right? But Jesus goes to the house, and the whole city decides to come and gather at the door, and Jesus continues to minister. Verse 35, after this long night, after this exhausting day, this long night and exhausting day. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And now finally back to Luke chapter five. Chapter five, Jesus is healing again, ministering to the needs of others. His day is filled with caring for others, and so what does he do? Verse 16, so Jesus himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus is our example in all things. Teachers, administrators, hear that. Church family, parents, whatever your task is in life, one of our highest priorities in our Christian walk, one of our highest priorities in our Christian walk is to withdraw from the people, to be alone with God. It is something that we all deep in our being know that we need it. There as Gerald was telling me this things, I, I knew that I needed it, but I was trying to rationalize or, or validate some of my behavior. Teachers, school administrators, you cannot spend the next 10 months ministering to the hearts and minds of dozens and dozens of students or more a day then go home and, and, and deal with your, your family issues and manage your home life. You cannot do it well. And you cannot do it to the fullness of God's glory unless you follow Jesus' example. It is absolutely impossible. You are not better than Jesus, and I am not better than Jesus. So if Jesus, in the midst of his busyness, often withdrew, how much more shall we? Church family, we cannot work 40 hours a week at any job or 50 or 60 or 70 hours a week at any job, plus have a healthy family life. It cannot happen unless we follow Jesus' example. Jesus was bu busy healing, then he withdrew. Jesus was busy teaching, then he withdrew. Jesus was busy making leadership decisions, and then he withdrew. Do you often withdraw? Do you withdraw often? Do you ever withdraw? Do you ever withdraw? I'm blessed to live in a home with a pretty solid role model in this area, my wife. I talked to you a little bit about this before, but every morning Christina rises early, sometimes 4.30 or earlier to spend time in her Bible. She then writes her prayer journal and then goes and exercises. What I'm impressed with in her routine is that she acknowledges when she misses it, and she recognizes when she misses it. I'll text her sometimes during the day. She's at home with the kids, and I'll say, how is your day going? And on occasion, she'll text back, I should have spent more time in my worship this morning. I'm not being as patient with the boys as I could be. She recognizes that connection. Or I stayed up too late, so my worship wasn't as focused as it should have been this morning, and and I was falling asleep and now I'm, I'm finding myself a little bit frustrated with the boys. On a rare bad moment at work, how is work? She's, she'll say something, maybe I'm, I'm feeling insecure, I miss my worship and my exercise this morning. I really can't do that before work. I need to have that time. I need to have that time. 
Christina recognizes that her best self as a mom, as an employee, as a coworker, is a result of her withdrawing every morning to a quiet place with God. Do we have that realization in our life where we've been living so long with a mediocre self that we don't realize how much better it could be if we simply practice what Jesus modeled for us, withdrawing often. Folks, we are our best selves, whether as a teacher or whether as parents, whether as friends or sons or daughters or coworkers or pastors. We are our best selves when we follow Jesus' example and withdraw often. Not occasionally, not in the here and there, but often. Luke chapter five, verse 16. So he himself, speaking of Jesus, of course, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I wanna share with you four quick points from this verse. We'll look at them and then we will do our connection card and then we will sing in response to this message. Jesus himself often withdrew. Point number one. Point number one. Jesus had alone time. Jesus had alone time. Folks, some of us need to learn to be okay by ourselves without any noise. And some of you may think, well, I'm by myself all the time, but by ourselves without the TV, by ourselves without any distractions, some of us need to be okay, learn to be okay by ourselves. We need solitude. We need seclusion. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in Life Together. Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. Let him who's not in community beware of being alone. Each by itself has profound pitfalls and perils. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings. And one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. Folks, this, what we have in here is good, but God also calls us to be alone. Of course, Christian solitude isn't truly completely alone. The key is to get alone with God. What we do here Sabbath morning as a community is absolutely wonderful, but did you know that your church experience would also be a better experience? You would get more out of it. You would enjoy it more. You would be refreshed by, by the worship service more. You may even be awake more within church services if during the week you were frequently alone with God. To be our best selves with others, we have to learn how to be alone with God on a consistent basis. Dads and moms, help your spouses out. Husbands and wives, help your spouses out. Make sure they get their alone time. Make sure they get their, their time to have that time just particularly with God. We need to be each other's helpmates in this journey and help each other out. Give each other that time. Point number two, Jesus got away frequently. Not Southwest style, he wasn't embarrassed, you ever wanna get away? But he got away frequently. Often in the verse is the key word to me. Often in that verse is a key word. Anyone can take a vacation once a year. Anyone can do that. 
and a lot of people do. Anyone can sit down for a day or two and, and look at their Bible or spend a couple minutes in prayer. Anyone can go on a hike one Sabbath afternoon here and there. Anyone can, can go and, and do something, just them and God, once a month or, or on occasion. None of these are often. Often is often. Right? I mean, to put it just clearly, often is often. You guys know what that word means. If you can't remember the exact day and exactly what you did, then that isn't exactly often. It isn't. When was the last time you looked at Facebook? Did anyone look at Facebook this morning? Oh, come on. Don't be liars. <laughs> now, some of you should remember this about me. I did look at Facebook this morning. I'm not going to lie. And some of you liked some of my things this morning. <laughs> now, I spent some time with Jesus this morning, so I'm not going to be mean and call you out by name. But you know who you are. Often. Some of you may be looking at it right now and may feel busted, but. Jesus wants us to withdraw more often than we are on Facebook or than we watch TV. He wants us to withdraw on a regular basis. On a regular basis. To be away from these things. Point number three. Jesus had a spot. Jesus had a spot. Jesus often, the Bible tells, withdrew to the wilderness. It was the wilderness. He went someplace else. It was, he went out into nature. We need a spot. We need a place where we can go. We need some place that, that we can get away. Every book I've ever read on spiritual disciplines, every, every uh, mentor that I've had that has advised me on spiritual disciplines, they all have a spot. They all have a way of getting away. Now, some of you travel a lot. That can challenge your spot. But the key to the spot is not necessarily about a specific location, but about the, the quietness, the ability to get away from the distractions. The key is, is, is mainly to be in some place where you're not distracted, where you know that you'll be able to focus, focus solely on your time with God. Point number one, we need to get away from people. Point number two, we need to get away frequently. Point number three, we need to get away from the distractions to a spot that we know will be away from distractions that would be good and, 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 and help us to clear our mind from the things of the world. Point number four. Point number four, and this is very important, I think, for us. Jesus' withdrawal was solely focused on communing with God. Jesus' withdrawal was solely focused on communing with God. Now this may be harder for some of us to hear. Folk, I believe that we all actually withdraw. I think that many in our society do withdraw. In fact, I think many of us say we have no time to uh, to, to withdraw like pastor is describing, but part of the reason we have no time is because we withdraw so often into the unnecessary or even into the land of the unthinking. In fact, some of you spouses, when I said, you know, you need to help your spouse get away, maybe some of you men were thinking, yeah, see, I should be able to go golf and you should watch the kids, or maybe some of you ladies were thinking, yeah, I, 
I want to go and get my, my nails done. That's not the type of drawing with drawing I'm talking about. When I speak of, of following Jesus' ex- example with drawing, I'm not talking about you getting out of the house and away from the kids for some quality me time. For some quality me time. How many of you all have sat down here in front of your computers and opened something, and before you know it, you've been there 20, 30, 40, two hours. Not 40 hours, but two hours. I mean, a few of us have, right? I mean, YouTube. I click on a video I like. I click on some video of some accident or something, the next thing I know, I'm watching a Dodger game from 1986. I mean, it's, it's just, anyone else ever been there? I mean, it just is so easy to go down that, that rabbit hole. I don't need to ask y'all, if you're on Facebook, I asked you early, but I don't really actually need to ask you, unless you all are just superior to all the rest of society, the average American, that means some of us in here that are average, and some of us are below average, so we're even worse. The average American, though, spends 40 minutes per day on Facebook. Of course, this is less than the one hour a day that we spent just surfing the internet. So they had these different categories, Facebook and then random surfing of the internet. Of course, this is less than what the average American spends watching TV, which is five hours a day. And don't say I don't watch TV if you watch shows on your computer as well. Um, Five hours a day. By that time, man, six hours and 40 minutes have been spent withdrawing, withdrawing, but not into anything positive. This is not the withdrawing I'm talking about, though it does show that we do have time to withdraw if we actually wanted it, if we actually wanted it. So I'm not talking about withdrawing to go shopping either or get a pedicure. I just needed some me time. I just need to get away and have some me time to clear my mind. And so I went to Arundel Mills. Men, you should let your wives do these things. But this isn't the withdrawing I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the withdrawing to go golfing or some other sporting event or to go cycling or even fishing. Sorry, Mark. Um, Mark was at my house yesterday evening teaching my kids how to cast, I think, into the swimming pool. They said, we want to learn how to fish, Daddy. Hey, Mark. (laughs) The withdrawing that Jesus did was very specific and focused. Jesus himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. It was specific and focused. Focused conversation with God. Focused listening to God. That is the withdrawing we are speaking of here. Jesus is our example, our best example in every single way. Oh, how I personally need to follow him more closely and and follow his example more closely. Getting away by myself, doing doing so often so it becomes a habit, away from the distractions, and focusing solely on the talking and listening to Jesus. We actually all have time for it. 
You've heard this before, and we know this to be true. We will make time for that which is important to us. We will make time for that which is important to us. Y'all, to be our best selves, to be the best Christians, to be the best family members, to be the best friends, to be the best co-workers, to be the best church members, teachers, the only way, again, that you can do your job at your greatest capacity that God has called you to do it is for you to follow the example of Jesus. Withdraw often. Cut out your TV or your computer or whatever is not 100% for God and give some of that time to God. Give some of that time to God. It's something that we all could do more of. That we all could do more of. I want you to pull out your connection cards now at this time. You should receive these deacons. See some deacons coming down. If you didn't receive one, because I know a few of the bulletins didn't have them, we have a number of people here, just raise your hand. The deacons are coming down the aisle. They have one for you. There on the back of your connection card, it says, my response to today's sermon. My response to today's sermon. First one, we ask this pretty much every week. The sermon was clear today. If the sermon was clear today, and you all know what it's about, withdrawing often with God. If you just are waking up, the sermon today was about withdrawing often with God. There you go. Have a good Sabbath. The next response there today, through the strength of Jesus, I commit to withdraw how many minutes you think God deserves in your life on a daily basis so that I can serve God optimally in all facets of my life. There's one pretty smart lady that said a thoughtful hour a day in the life of Christ. What is God calling you? How much time does God deserve? Look folks, you may be like my wife and you may withdraw in the morning. You may be more like me and need to withdraw at night. Hey, for those of you people that have, just let me, this is a sidebar, this is a bonus for you right now. For those of you that make, that felt guilty because you have a hard time getting up in the morning, I want you to notice that the majority of texts that we read about Jesus was him withdrawing at night. <laughs> Testify. Just wanna, I just wanna point that out to all of you that have tried to make us feel guilty. Where's Christina? No, she's not. <laughs> if you can't get up at 4.30, hey, you're up in the day, you're up in the night. Sometime you gotta make it a habit. The reason why the morning is good, folks, let's just be honest. The reason why the morning is good because so often we get through our day and we go through our day and what does the devil want, us to, want to do to us? He wants to distract us, right? He wants to distract us. And so he knows, okay, well, if they're planning on having their, their study at noon, I'm gonna try to get someone to call them at noon and bother them. That's, that's, the, that's the, the, the value of that, of that morning time when the mind is, is fresh. You may not realize it's fresh, but it is fresh. 
when the mind is fresh, that's the value of the morning time. But I, but, but I don't want to put that totally on you. I want you guys to withdraw. If you, got to, if you need to do it at night or, or in the morning, then do it. If you're like my dad and you go to bed, you may fall asleep at 9 or 10, and then you wake up at 1, hey, that's still morning. Everyone else may think it's nighttime, but 1 is the morning, whatever. You know, but how many minutes... Just think about your life for a second and what you have and the blessings that you have. How many minutes does God deserve for your quiet withdrawal on a daily basis? And write that down. And then it's not on there, but I'm just gonna ask you to do this. Uh, If you want, you can put another little box there and write, yes, please do. Or you can write, no way, don't call me ever. But if you want me to check in on you in a few months, a month or a couple months, to pray with you and say, how's it going? Not to yell at you, not to badger you. If I call you up and you say, I haven't had one withdrawal time in two months, I'm not gonna say, that's it. No, I'm not gonna do that. But if you want someone just to check in on you and encourage you, you can go ahead and put that. I'd be happy to give you a call in a month or two. You won't remember, but I will, maybe. Maybe you will remember, and that'll help you to keep going. A little accountability is always good. Just in that blank spot right under there, you can write something. Yes, I would like some accountability in that. Folks, I want to encourage you to pray for me. I told you I was writing this sermon, and Gerald's encouraging me to withdraw, and I'm arguing with him that I'm doing okay. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. But God is patient. He keeps working with us. He keeps coming to that door of our hearts on a daily basis and knocking. Saying, is now the time? Can we withdraw together now? Let's make this a part of our lives. Let's make this a part of our regular routine. Let's make it part of our lives to be near to the heart of God. We're going to reflectively sing now. Can we reflectively sing now? As if our hearts are responding to this need that is in each of us to withdraw often with Jesus. Open your hymnals to hymn number 495. Near to the heart of God. And let's sing it as a response to God, as a prayer of our desire to be near God on a daily basis, to withdraw with him often. Mm-hmm.